This next episode features James Wilde. James is head of new business at Wavemaker and was kind enough to let me come down to the offices in London and chat to him about the media space and the journey into his success. This episode features some unique insights and I hope you get something out of it. James, how are you doing today? Good, thanks for having me. No, no, thank you for letting me be in these lovely offices, staring over London, L- London Bridge? No, not London Bridge, I don't really know Black the area Fries, very well. Blackfriars Bridge. Blackfriars Bridge. see Waterloo Bridge down there, so. But now you're in lovely Wavemaker offices, so yeah, nice to be here. Um, I guess typically how we start these is, you know, we'll ask the guests, you know, about the career and far back as I remember. Um, so I guess you dive straight in and maybe tell us a bit about your career in the last either 10 years or basically as far back as you can remember. Brief summary, we'll dive straight into some deeper questions after. Okay, so I'm at Wavemaker at the moment, been here for seven years. Um, and before that, been a few other of the major advertising holding groups, so been a publicist and before that Omnicom. Yeah. Um, so that's been the last sort of 11 to 12 years really. I've always done client roles. So I've always been an, essentially an account man, someone who, or often called uh, the bag carriers, which is slightly, <laughs> slightly less um, kind term, but essentially the person that sorts clients out gets whatever they need yeah. for them. Um, so I'd done that for the whole period up until my new role as head of new business at Wavemaker, which I took on at the back end of last year, which is all about bringing new clients into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I've always done. So always done account stuff for media agencies, so essentially helping clients buy media space, plan advertising campaigns, understand more about their audience, analyze how a campaign is going and report on whether it performs or not, and yeah. then go again and work out whether you, what you want to do next time, what you want to do differently, what you want to do, um, what you want to do the same. Um, before that, so I, I fell into media, which is something a lot of people say, and it's quite true. Um, I did politics and economics at university. I that. <laughs> it's quite a good <laughs> uh, change. Yeah. Um, I feel like my entire career path, I thought at school, I thought I'll do some things. So I did like economics and politics A level. And then I thought, what do I do at uni? So I do economics and politics. I had no idea, like there was other stuff. So then I came out and I was like, well, what should I do? I should probably go into economics and politics. Yeah. And unfortunately, I had not paid enough attention during uni to be good enough at economics to get anywhere. So I started trying to um, trying to get any kind of job in politics that mm-hmm. I could. Um, so I worked for a Labour MP for a little bit of time. I worked for a political magazine, it's sort of an editorial. Um, I did a little bit of work at the Times on a sort of an elongated internship. Um, and I also helped out, a, a, it didn't actually happen in the end, but a person that wanted to run to be mayor of Birmingham with their kind of political campaign. Wow. Um, but the whole time, none of it was proper work and I didn't have a job. And I, but I was convinced I was going to go into politics and I probably was convinced for about seven months. And then I was at a party and one of my friends said, have you still not got a proper job? <laughs> and I said, I've still not got a proper job. And she said, I've started working at this place. They're a media agency. And, and my, the guy that hired me has just left to go to another one <laughs> and text me saying, do I know any friends who might want a role? So I basically got on a train 
um, down to London, it's living in Manchester, that's where I'm from, um, Googling what a media agency was <laughs> on what was probably my Blackberry curve <laughs> at the time. Back in the day. Googling what it was, making some notes, and then basically bumbling my way through yeah. th three <laughs> interviews, and then moved down to London the following week. And that's, life. that's how I fell into into media. That's crazy. It's always those uh, last minute preparations on your phone. I've done the same thing for job interviews, and I'm like, like I don't even know what a media agency is. And you're like, even though you've prepped all this stuff, you forget sometimes the basic the basic questions. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's, I know you touched upon your new role because you imagine because you've been here four over four years, haven't you now? Waymaker. Yeah. Um, and then you were manager, was it manager director, manager partner, partner yeah. and now head of your business. What's the, is there a big change, like shift in what you're doing yeah, or yeah. is like it quite more full on? So before, before I was running accounts, mm -hmm. so looking after clients. So most recently I was looking after BMW and Mini. Mm -hmm. And so running the team that does everything for them in the building and being the, the senior contact for those clients for our agency. Whereas now, for the first time, I don't have any clients, which is very odd. I spend all my time trying to help the agency get more clients. Yeah. So I'm meeting marketing directors, CMOs, MDs, CEOs of smaller businesses all the time yeah. who are looking at getting agencies who want some help, speaking to them, learning about their problems, um, and trying to persuade them that Wavemaker can help answer those problems. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, it's not like a true sales role in that sense no. of I'm not I'm not trying to hit targets every month, but it's all about getting us getting us meetings, yeah, more and more meetings, so we can show people what we do, so that then hopefully they'll enter in some type of relationship with us. Which is obviously a big big deal, isn't it? I suppose you need to but well, you need clients to grow in I suppose yeah. or responsibility. No, that's interesting. I, yeah, I was looking at the history obviously because uh, I think when I asked you the the guest you you had like a different job and I was like oh no he's left because I saw you know James Wilder's a new job on LinkedIn I was like oh we're going to talk about it but I realised it was just a, a different role in the, in the company um, going on to the next one I guess this is actually a new question I'm not actually asked people um, what would be say like the biggest challenge you faced in your career from like leaving university to where we are now was there anything that sticks out in particular um, could be literally anything like you know miss the bus on the way to work and that um, I think well maybe two things one was I had an, one point I had a really bad manager um, who was a very odd person <laughs> um, but that made things very hard for about six months they ended yeah. up going but at that time you just kind of Think, oh, I really like my job, but actually, this is just making it hellish. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I think, and I just say to people that you know, bad managers are temporary things, they're not there forever. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was probably when I first started, I had no idea what the job would be like. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm the kind of person that likes to know things straight away, and just the hardest thing was just having to go in each day and see what happened for a few months. And as long as the people were nice and it seemed interesting, just yeah. keep going. It wasn't suddenly gonna become 100% apparent to me that this is your job and this is your career, it's all gonna be the same. So yeah. that very first one, just first job, just, yeah, I guess being patient, which is hard. Yeah, 100%. I guess on the reverse side of that, what would be like the biggest win or the biggest, best moment of like your career of the last I don't know, 10 years? 
Is there anything that stands out in particular? Um, probably the, the best couple of moments I've had were when I was running the British Airways account. Mm -hmm. One was we, um, we launched a big campaign across the world to celebrate their 100th anniversary. This was a couple of years ago. Is that all Anthony Joshua and like yeah. Gary Oldman on the, yeah, like yeah. I remember that, yeah, it's a really good advert, really good ad. Um, I'm pleased that you've seen it. <laughs> uh, we'd just been talking about it for a very long time yeah. and it was one of those things that at times you thought it was never going to happen and BA, as they have been since, but were often plighted with a pilot strike, a data hack or all these different things mm. that would the business was reacting to and it didn't want to do anything proactive because yeah. of those that situation I think it's fair to say because um, you've got to sort out the immediate problems and we just just for months and months I was going when is the time going to come that we've got the, the, the we've got the space to do this big thing yeah and when we got it got it live and it all happened it was it was a relief more than anything but it kind of it was it was a good reward for what was probably 18 months of yeah. hard work Massive. I was going to say it must have taken a lot of manpower. To, it's a big, like, it's a good, it's a long ad as well. Obviously, you've got loads of big names in there as well. Obviously, that particular advert like Anthony Joshua and Gary Oldman, and I don't know who else was on it. There's, there's a lot of well known faces, yeah, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, um, it, it, it's one of those things where it comes out all looks great, but just how long it took to do. Um, and also for the clients, like it, was, it was hard going for them and they had to do a lot of work on it to get the business behind behind it. Yeah. But it turned out really well and I think just the whole campaign and the whole celebration of BA's 100, mm. 100 years as an airline, um, yeah, it was quite, it was quite emotional as a, yeah. as a campaign. Big deal, yeah. I think it was, a 29, it was about 2019, I think, yeah, I think based on the one you're probably younger than me. <laughs> this is from my browsing on LinkedIn. <laughs> 2019. Yeah. yeah, not too long ago, I suppose, before. And I guess, COVID and stuff, the whole flying and, you know, can't even go anywhere. Like, exactly. Massive dent. Um, the, I saw, I think it was on your account, profile, the Media Week 30 under 30 campaign. Can you tell me a bit about that? Because it looked quite yeah. interesting. Obviously, it's a big deal. Um, yeah, that, so, that, that was quite recently as well, fairly-ish. Uh, yeah, it's not as recent as I'd like it to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm now come to be over 30. <laughs> campaign Magazine, who is the, the yeah. main trade press title for, course, yeah. for uh, advertising. Every year in the media space they do this list called 30 under 30 mm -hmm. and if I'm honest it's one of those things I probably saw first when I was about 22, 23 and I was like, I'm going to get on that list. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah when I finally got, got on it I was like, I'll wait until a bit older because most of the people that win it's between 27 and 29. Yeah. So you don't want to go in too early because you've got to prove yourself. But then you've obviously got to think of every year that you don't enter, you're reducing that time so you can't <laughs> yeah. enter. Um, but yeah, it was good. And it was it was one of those things where often throughout uh, my career when I've looked into people's profiles who were more senior and looked at them, at some point they've won that. Mm -hmm. So it felt like it was a bit of a rite of passage and it was yeah, something I was proud of. I actually threw away the weekend to do a clear out. Um, I threw away my certificate that was framed, which I'm surprised my, my wife had allowed me to keep it for, for, for the best part of four years or whatever it was. Um, but it, it's finally gone in the gone in the bin. Forty into forty next. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's a big deal. I, yeah, I know a few. No, not personally, but I do know a few people who've like been nominated or you know won it. I think it's a massive deal, especially 
I think it's like marketing and like advertising, I suppose it's like kind of like something to aim for, isn't it, as well? Um, yeah. it is, I think it's a super big deal. Uh, I mean, I don't think I'll ever be on it. <laughs> Unless this podcast does really well, you never know, but okay. in the, maybe in the future. Um, going on to like university, uh, you obviously mentioned you went. How did you find the whole experience of it? Did you find it benefited you, you know, going forward in your career? Or did you, was it this more like a social thing? So I know people have different views on why they go. People just go because, you know, they have no other options or, uh, like especially for me, I went it just because I didn't know what else to do, and it felt like that was the best option at the time. Uh, ended up moving universities because it wasn't obviously the right thing. I think went to do finance, thought I was going to be like a, a banker, even though I'm basic GCSE maths level. Uh, and then obviously found marketing like a year later. Uh, but how did you find the whole experience? Was it eye opening or? <laughs> I had a good time at uni. Yeah. So much so that my housemates who I lived with the whole time to this day don't believe that I came out with an actual degree <laughs> and I actually during lockdown when I was, didn't have much to do at one time mm. um, I actually spoke to the university and got my transcript from them oh, really? with my results and then sent that to my housemates to prove that I had got a degree um, look I don't think there's much if anything that my actual degree has contributed to my career yeah. now. Don't get me wrong, back then, which so we're talking when I graduated in 2010, back then it was a lot easier to get in a room for any entry level job if you had a degree from mm. a you know, Russell Group or Redbrook University or whatever, fine. Now, when we interview people at that level, we don't, personally, I don't even care. And actually it's more interesting for me when people have done a few years in a real job yeah. since they were 18 and left left you know finished their A-levels and whatever it was uh, than if they'd been to uni um, I had a good time and it's great to live away from home and do lots of things it was also only three grand at the time you hit the you got the nap before the nine yeah. grand like. I, was, I was three grand going in there pissed off that I hadn't got it the, year, the two years before which was still at one grand was it, so, one, was it one pound? Or yeah, one so I was the second. Yeah. I was the second year to, to have the increased price of three grand. That's crazy. Uh, which at the time seemed extortionate. Before it obviously then went up to, <laughs> to, to what it is now. That's a nine grand. Um, so I don't know if you necessarily get the get. I don't know whether you make the money back. I think it's. I think it's hard. Yeah. If you want an experience and you want to grow in that way, and I did so many extracurricular things, and I was very involved in student politics and I was involved in like lots of running lots of events and things for charity and running club nights and like all, all all sorts of different things which I never would have had the opportunity to do they all obviously improved me as a person and gave me better skills but I don't really think it matters too much what degree you do unless you're going into a very specific yeah. profession like you know law or you know, medicine, medicine or, or yeah like teacher or something like um, that and I actually think that and I think this is probably to do with the school that I went to and, and maybe my upbringing, but what would have maybe been nice is someone to tell me beforehand that you, I could do something quite specific. Mm, yeah. Because uh, at the time, I think it's changed now, but at the time, if you didn't do proper subjects in inverted commas, they were considered to be lesser things. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas actually, the more specific ones tend to be much more practical and employable when you're going into yeah. your career. So, for example, there's lots of people here that did quite specific marketing, media, advertising, communications degrees. Um, and there's a few universities that specialise in that and have a good reputation yeah. for it. Uh, and also it's quite interesting because they've actually studied some of the stuff that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, whereas 
you know, I basically did you know, economics and politics because they were classical subjects that <laughs> yeah. felt like they were meaty and yeah. stuff, but uh, I'm not using any of that no. knowledge. It's good, like I think, like you said, like some of the unis have, you have specific courses. I think mine was like advertising management, so it was like a foundation of like boyers, and it kind of gave you that foundation of like, real life experience with like maybe you use real life clients. So then when you you know went to either a media agency or you know a big corporate or something like that, you had that you know that bit of experience and that knowledge base there. Yeah. Uh, but like I know people that do business degrees. I'm like, what does that mean? And like it's a business degree. I'm like. That's yeah. like so broad. Like I do a marketing degree, and I'm like, to be fair, most most of them have this. Yeah, they're all pretty similar. Uh, I think I, I the whole advertising management side of things always attracted me uh, because obviously it just wasn't just a marketing degree. And I went to Leeds Beckett, which is quite well known for its marketing. Um, people who go to Leeds University of would probably argue that university is better because there's a massive rivalry in the city. But um, typically, people who went to different unis, like especially like Leeds, would. You know, go to do like law or like medicine or sport because you know the universities were good for it. Um, but you obviously, like, what grade did you end up coming out with? Yeah, so I got a scrape to two one. <laughs> yeah, nice. I say <laughs> surprised everyone, including my parents <laughs> and myself um, and my housemates. My <laughs> yeah, I scraped. Uh, scraped to two one. Nice. Do you think it matters what grade you get? To, because I, has anyone asked you since you've left what you've had like to get jobs and stuff? Or? No, no one's asked me. No. I know some. I know a few friends who have um, lied about their grades and it's, <laughs> on CVs. It's, they've never been pulled up on it. <laughs> um, I think some employees are different. So my sister had to for one job she applied for show her certificates with really? all her grades. Yeah. I've never shown anyone any proof that I've done no. anything. Um, the only time I regularly display proof of anything I've achieved is when I hire a car and put my driving license yeah. on the table. That's probably it. Yeah. So it, does it matter what grade you get? I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's easy to say, right? But most CVs we get through, people tend to just put what where they got came from and, yeah. and what they studied. Yeah, I think I've never... I've not had anything from, I think college is a little different because obviously, you know, college you have to get grades to go to university. And, uh, but I think like now, apprenticeships are becoming more popular. People are find obviously, like you said, university is becoming ridiculously expensive. I think it's up to like nine and a half yeah. thousand pounds. Obviously, people who can't, you know, sometimes you need student loans and it could be a rent and you have to get like two jobs and it's just, it, people sometimes just leave college and then you know, go straight to work. Yeah. Um, I think I was one of those people who, you know, went to university, but a lot of my friends, this, you know, left college and either did an apprenticeship or then she started working for the dads or yeah. whatever they're doing and now they're like 10 years into their career and I'm literally like three years into mine so it's kind of weird because yeah. obviously university I think my course is like four or five years of replacement uh, obviously went down to Paderborn met uh, a friend in if he probably listens to it I'm going to send him a link after <laughs> um, but yeah no that's interesting but I would guess on the back of that do you would you say you would recommend university to people now or do you think it's less important not maybe less important, but less maybe there's other ways to get where you need to go. Yeah, I think I think you have to split it out between the personal and the professional in the sense that I had a great time personally and I think it is good. You get to do lots of things that you wouldn't normally get to do. It's usually the first time people live away from home and yeah. you get all that experience. Right now, genuinely, I don't think there is any 
benefits for in our industry yeah if I'm getting a CV over my desk that ha- there is someone who's 21 who has left school at 18 one of them's gone to uni and the other one's done has gone into work or training or whatever it might yeah. be I don't have any preference between either of those two one over the other before I interview them that's interesting not at all yeah. and we've got some we've got some great apprentice, apprentices here at Wavemaker and we have, have other places that worked um, and actually if, if you're good and you and you work hard you can you can easily progress quicker so you are you're already at the next level before there's people that graduate yeah. so you could have your mate could have graduated 21 you could already be promoted to the second level in an agency by the time you're 21 22 exactly, yeah. and end up line managing the people that have graduated and you've yeah. not got the debt and all the rest of it. It's easy to say because yeah. people are like, yeah, but you had a great time and all the rest of it, but I do believe the world now is different. I feel, feel like I grew up, I grew up in the sort of the back end of the Tony Blair era where yeah. as kids, everyone was told, you know, university and it was 50% of kids into university yeah. and all that. I just don't think that that's, I just don't think that that yeah. is practical anymore. It's a different time, I suppose. Now, not to say like you're in like different time, but there is a bit, there has been a shift in the last five years. I think it is, and um, I, I also, and I do, I do hate on higher education a bit too much. I'm conscious of that, but I genuinely cannot see the justification in the costs, no. particularly for the types of subject for the arts yeah. type subjects. Right, you're doing 10, 15, you know, ten, fifteen hours of contact time a week mm-hmm. and you're paying 10 grand a year for it it's and, and that's with the whole virtual thing I, yeah. I was so frustrated my, my sister's just um, recently completed a, she, did, she took some time out and did a masters at UCL in something very specific but the whole of it through COVID nothing was in person and I said do you get any discount no how can they justify still yeah, charging that so absolutely. I think they just students are ripped off I think if you're if you're happy to be ripped off and you want to have the experience fine but I, I genuinely don't believe it makes any no. tangible difference in in the marketing world I think it makes any difference yeah no, I, that's why I always argue I always used to say like I kind of wish going back now I wish I'd maybe you know left college and worked in the agency you know two days a week because obviously living at home you can save money you have to worry about yeah. it like especially coming to London where it's really expensive and to I have like friends who you know study at UCL and other universities, and they're like working two jobs, also studying, and they're still like, I'm not like, I haven't got loads of money to splash the cash because obviously it's so expensive. Uh, and they're like 20 years old, 21, um, and they've got. I mean, that's what you have to do, I guess. It, I go. I suppose the whole university thing is good life experience. You get, you know, you meet friends, and there's people I've spoken to on this before, this podcast where their friends from university, their friends now and like in the like late forties or you know, early forties. Uh, so I think there is that life experience, but I think the whole, you know, the price of it and you know, how like you said about market, especially where you don't necessarily need to go to university. Well not necessarily, but you know, you, you can easily go work in an agency and like say you go to a job interview and they ask, you know, have you how much experience have you got like five years? So I've got I've got a degree. I'd like I'd, if that was me, I'd personally tell the person with the experience because that's I mean that's the stuff that's almost invaluable because I think anyone can almost go to university and maybe blag the way free a little bit I mean especially first year no one takes it seriously anyway yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that is like maybe the debate but yeah the whole code thing is ridiculous I have a lot of friends who you know I think it was obviously 2020 to last year and like, you think now it'd be a bit better but I think they do there is you know I think my friend goes in once a week but again it's just you're paying all this money for basically online 
learning that you can go on YouTube. Like, well, obviously it's different, but there's free courses out there. There's yeah, yeah. getting more like cheap, you know, monthly memberships on like Linda or whatever it is, and just you learn, you learn yourself if you wanted to. Um, so I do, I do agree. The whole student thing at the moment with university is not. I would, I would personally recommend it, but and especially for marketing or you know that side of things, the creative areas. I think there's ways to you know move into those areas without having to put yourself in. 60 grand in well depends on the course obviously yeah. uh me masters as well isn't it you have to pay for your masters up yeah. front don't you which is yeah. just crazy um i guess on the back of that as well what would be one piece of advice you'd give say someone you'd leave in university and like starting a career is there anything one thing you'd wish you'd know maybe when you're like 21 um <clears throat> don't worry too much about what your first job is Nice, yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on people to get a job and I did the same thing that is completely in line with what you studied, what you really want to do and the sad reality is that one, that's really hard but two, I reckon people graduating now are probably going to work till they're about 75 I reckon yeah. based yeah. on pension age and all the rest of it so if the first two or three years of your you know, of your, the 50 years of your working life, the first two or three years are in something that you're not hugely passionate about. It's less than, it's less than 5% of your working yeah. life. So don't worry too much. I guess in short, it's having any job, Yeah, I'd argue is better than just waiting for the right thing to come yeah. on. That's good advice, yeah. Um, and maybe that was because I first started working off the back of the financial crash and there wasn't a lot of jobs around. Yeah, so it was kind of take it. And now at the moment, <laughs> post-COVID, there are loads of jobs around. So you probably can be quite picky, but you can't you can't replace workplace no. experience. Yeah. So yeah, one piece of advice would be, don't be too precious about that first job. Don't get too hung up on it. Yeah, maybe boring too much, don't they? Whether leaving and they have to like go to the field they studied in and there's a lot obviously a lot of people there's a lot, a lot of my friends especially down in London where they've done all these really like cool degrees and then they're working something completely different because they know for a couple of years they might have to just get that real life experience save some money and then maybe in a couple of years when they've got that experience they can move into a job they actually maybe wanted to do when they were at university uh, but yeah I think getting hung up on the whole job thing I think I do that a lot when I'm like I need to be I have this vision in my head of where I want to work and this is how I want to be there and Obviously now, especially I suppose it's maybe a generational thing where it's two years and leave, two years and leave. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you find that down here in London where people... I mean, down here it's 18 months. Is yeah. it? Is it less? Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's fine. But, you know, I guess when it's about to put out, how old are you going to be by the time you work? Yeah. Two years is not a long time. It feels like a long time. It does, yeah. It does. it does feel like a long time, but the grand scheme of things is really oh, not yeah. a long time. It goes time. quick, yeah. And yeah, I think you know, often it takes you a year to get up to speed and fully understand the business, and then you can start to impact change and yeah. do interesting things. That makes sense. So, um, yeah, my advice would not be like stay because I moved around when I, was, when I was a bit younger, and I can see the reason you do and first mm. your money and all the rest of it, but just any job getting any job sticking in it for two years and making a good go of it yeah sounds really basic advice but it's it's actually yeah quite simple. yeah I think like you said 
I think it's easier when you're younger to move around because you have less responsibilities. You know, you haven't got a house or you know kids, and you can kind of just take the risks a little bit more. Um, yeah. And I've always been told that you take risks now because when you're thirty and you've got kids, you're not about to do it. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm like, I'm two kids, and like I'm not really four years or thirty, so I'm a bit <laughs> like, no, no, not yet, just yet. Kids feels a bit too far away for now. Yeah. Um, now it's interesting though. I like kind of like the whole thought process and that. Um, I guess the whole point of this whole podcast is again like about success and how you reach it and things like that. I guess my next question would be, what do you think it takes to be successful? In say maybe a marketing role would make it easier, or anything, or any role to be honest. But maybe marketing is an easier way to phrase it. Um, good question. <laughs> I think it depends. It depends whether you're what you're defining as success and yeah. you know um, one of the things that I look for in people is when they make themselves indispensable and crudely that can just mean that they're the first person that comes to mind for a specific thing. Mm that means that as a business you want to look after that person it means you progress quicker and it means you often if you do decide to leave at 18 months then you might be taken to a side room and asked to not leave and given an offer to not leave yeah um, so making yourself indispensable because a lot of what people do is all the same thing if you can find something really specific or something you're good at and make it you know and work hard at what you're good at yeah and that can be really important because I think there's lots of people you know the phrase that like t-shaped people so you have a you're good about something and then you go up and then you're a bit more generalist of lots of everything yeah. else I think at the moment lots of people can do lots of things at an okay level mm -hmm. but where certainly writing we struggle is having people who are happy to do one or two things really really well yeah and when clients are paying us money to bring specialists into a room, mm -hmm. they don't want to have five conversations with people like me who can go to, the phrase I quite like is five questions deep. Yeah. So on any topic in marketing, can you go five questions deep? I think I, on most stuff I can, which will get me through a meeting. Mm -hmm. But when they then want to ask the sixth or seventh question about something specific, I haven't got that depth of knowledge. Yeah. We bring people in the room who have, but there's always less people available than we'd like yeah. that have the knowledge. So, yeah, in summary, don't be afraid. Don't consider knowing a specialism pigeonholing. Yeah. Consider it as at a competitive advantage versus most people. So that's what looking at, I suppose. I think I always, y'all, in general, people, you know, don't want to be labelled as like the social media guy or the you know the LinkedIn guy or the you know, TikTok guy or whatever it is but well, like if you came in yeah. here right and if you came jump here and on day one if you went around and went oh we just hired this guy he just he knows TikTok yeah there's no one at the moment yeah. in our business who I think necessarily understands it completely inside out because it's not. quite new it's always changing as well exactly yeah. but if you come in and you're the TikTok guy it might be a bit boring for you <laughs> yeah for a while but the value you will bring to the agency yeah. and therefore what that will do for your progression, your yeah. success and your future is, is, is huge. And spends what you said, like you just, you're the person that people come to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, being the social guy or even being the TikTok guy, I would say is, is, is something in the short term to aim for. <laughs>
before. Nail yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, whatever the next <laughs> thing is, become become that guy. Yeah, I think it's I think it's perfect out of like broaden you know a broad sense of you know knowledge and have that base and that foundation but then having you know like I said going off like teeing off to different areas or social media or TikTok or videography or anything and then you know once you've honed that skill you can then because obviously marketing social media people like what you work in like marketing that's like this insane how much you know branding is it promotions is it sponsorship so there's so many about avenues you can go down um, and obviously like bigger companies as well where you've not you've got this high or hierarchy but like this tree of people where it's just everyone's got their own little individual team and their own individual what passion whatever they do um so i think that's cool because i think the whole pe- people want to learn everything but i think maybe like i said pigeonhole and don't see it like that i think it's quite nice to think i'm the guy who can do this job really well um and when you get to job interviews you can be like you know, good examples you know take the social media is great for stuff like that um and that's yeah. and that also in terms of progressing quickly you could find you could come in at 26 and be the TikTok guy yeah there could be a really senior meeting with some really important clients and the week before they've mentioned to our CEO that a big thing for them next year is TikTok yeah in the week before that meeting we'll go fuck who can talk about TikTok (laughs) yeah and then you'll be brought into the meeting preparations and the rehearsals and the work and then in the meeting. So you might get to meeting and be the most junior person in there by a long way. Yeah. Uh, and actually some of the people in our business who have different specialisms and are deep on a specific specialism have found that like it's a real accelerator to their career. Yeah. You spend more time, more senior people and you, and you progress. That doesn't mean then that you then can't widen as course, you go yeah. up. Yeah. But owning, I often think well, how my career would have been different if I owned something and decided to own a specific thing. I think paid search, for example, mm. is something that is, I mean, it's the biggest media channel there is, right? It's, yeah. the, it's the most money, more money than anything else in the world goes into paid search. And if I'd have become a specialist in that, yeah, done that for five years and then said, oh, by the way though, but I also like to talk about other things and I can, yeah be in a meeting and present this and talk about audiences and I can talk about brands and I can talk about how we should do a holistic yeah. media plan as opposed to just this is what we should do in paid search. That could have been a, a quicker route to a quicker route to the top. <laughs> yeah. It was impressive like you said people junior, people coming in and having a specialist and then like speciality and then going into meetings and being able to immerse themselves in you know senior members of like teams or clients, I think it just looks good for them as well, um, especially just more impressive. Um, I suppose the, the next question is probably on the back of that one in terms of how do you personally define success? Like how would, what would be your definition of it if you could, someone asked you what you think your success is or what the definition of it, it actually is? It's quite a tough one, it's the hardest one, <laughs> the hardest question I've got to ask. <laughs> I don't know, I mean the, the implicit thing in your question is whether you think you've been successful or not, mm-hmm. right? which I don't think I have. I feel like I've probably got to where I should have got to yeah. by turning up, being polite, doing yeah. some work. Um, I think the biggest challenge is, so I've got a, a son who I've, who's um, gonna be uh, two this week. Oh wow. <laughs> And up until he was born, 
I'd been able to commit whatever I needed to commit to my career. Of course, yeah. And now there's obviously another thing there that's taking time from me. Yeah. Uh, or taking part of my day up. So I'd say, thinking of this on the spot. <laughs> Sorry. If I could keep, if I could keep progressing in the next ten years as a, whilst being a father at the same time. Yeah. At the, if I can keep progressing at the same speed that I have in the last ten years, mm-hmm. irrespective of where I get to, that would be and my son still likes me <laughs> then that would yeah. then that would be a success yeah um, because I'm happy with the pace of my career progression so far but trying to do that again for another 10 years mm. whilst being a parent yeah. is going to be a challenge yeah. so if I can do that then I, I think that would be a, a success and then you can come back and ask me about the next 10 years <laughs> yeah. yeah I suppose it's, uh, it's difficult like obviously when you have kids it's completely you know, everything changes then your whole perspective of things change so I think it's a nice way of, that's a nice way of answering it um, yeah, I don't know people said that oh your perspective will change so much is it not <laughs> my perspective hasn't really changed I've just had a lot less time yeah. to think about various things yeah. including what my perspective is <laughs> yeah. so I feel like you just make faster decisions because you have to yeah. yeah but it hasn't you know and it's fundamentally changed my life in the way that I do things of course yeah but I don't have a hugely different perspective on life no. which I feel like it's quite an unpopular thing to say you have to sort of say oh kids have changed me yeah like, <laughs> not really <laughs> they just made me a bit quicker yeah made me maybe a bit more relaxed about things mm. but it hasn't suddenly completely yeah. thrown the way I think about the world yeah um, that's in a career for me that's interesting that's a good answer um, I guess we're quite coming to the end of the last couple of questions but do you think it's important to say for like marketers or business people like say like 20 21 year olds to have uh, like a LinkedIn presence to be you know on social media to have you know something out there so like employees or you know people can see what they're doing and you know kind of get a grab I think it's always difficult for like you know, LinkedIn people say they have LinkedIn, but then I look at what they do for jobs and they don't necessarily need it. But I think for like maybe myself or yourself in marketing where it's good to have LinkedIn just for like networking. Do you think it's a benefit for say grads leaving university to have like a presence there or does it not really make much difference? Yeah, bluntly, LinkedIn is the quickest and easiest way for someone to find out about yeah. you. If we're hiring for a role and we get sent CVs and I, we do it now, CV might be two pages and a yeah. PDF you've got to read through, or you can all the recruiter or in-house team has hyperlinked their name in the email they send you to a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I know which one I always do first, yeah. and it's quicker and easier. I find it bonkers when people come out and they're job hunting when they don't have it. Yeah. And I am not a social media person, so I'm not on any social media right. no. um, other than LinkedIn um, because I find it. I feel like it's a bit of a, a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah. And it's also <clears throat> it's also a good discipline to keep it up to date because what can often happen with jobs is that you work in a job, you then it's going fine, something happens, you want to leave, and then you look at some roles and someone goes, Oh, can I have your new CV? And I'll, I've got to write my CV yes and you have to think about what you've done whereas if you can keep your LinkedIn as a general summary of what you've done Mm -hmm. um, then it's it's ready and waiting yeah Um, and they can you can also say to them 
have a look at this. This is fairly. This is up to date. I'll give you some more information next week, whatever. So, yeah, I can't understand why you wouldn't why you wouldn't get LinkedIn. And yeah. it's the the best bit about LinkedIn is the stalking, right? Is to see yeah. what people have done. Yeah, like the world see and, yeah. and the world CVs. Like yeah. you can look at everyone. It really annoys me when people don't fill it in or they do something like. This tends to be people older than me who started work before LinkedIn was a thing. I mean, mm. get that, but they might basically say, let's say they work somewhere. And they might just put, they'll put the title they left that role in. Yeah. So it might say, you know, managing director, and then it say 25 years and the dates, and that'll be it. You obviously <laughs> were the managing director for 25 yeah. years. You obviously started, you went through 10 different roles. Yeah. You've not taken the half hour it would take you to just write that out. Yeah. But younger people like to see progression and whatever. So yeah. this makes it look like you were, the, you started there at 20, 21 and managed <laughs> managing director. That's not true. CEO. <laughs> yeah. Just, just take 10 minutes yeah. to make your LinkedIn a bit more accurate. No. Um, my friends do tease me though because because I'm not on social and it's kind of where I get my social updates. They find it funny that I use it. Um, I use it in an increasing increasing amount as well. It's good. I, mean, I find it useful. It's good for like just browsing sometimes. It's nice to see what people are doing. So I see what your friends are doing as well. Like you know, people you went yeah. to university, or college, or I see them posting like my stuff. And it's quite nice to know. Yeah, you know, they're still there. They exist, and you know, it's nice to see what they're doing. Yeah. It's also um, nice because because it is completely professional. Yeah. Whilst on other things, you might have different channels that you use in a professional way and a personal way. Yeah, like an extra thing, even if it's just small. Um, I think it's nice to know people are human. Like I personally, my CV, it's like I'll have like skiing or like I do a podcast or I do CrossFit because it's like a nice extra thing yeah. at a personal level as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like when I was growing up, it was always part of your CV, you know, right about your hobbies and interests. And I feel it's, that's disappeared. Yeah, yeah. You don't really get any of that. Um, you also get used to asking interviews, you know, oh, what are you doing this weekend or what's your, what you're into, which is always a little bit weird, but actually it was quite nice. So yeah, I'd say definitely include things like that. Yeah. But more, more interestingly perhaps is that if you've got a bit of a side hustle, mm -hmm. it just shows that you put your mind to something yeah. outside of whatever it is you're doing, studying, working, whatever. And that, if you can show that you're, you know, doing a podcast every month or you're writing a blog or you're creating video content on this or short films it just shows, shows that you're yes passionate about something but you're disciplined in doing something regularly getting it out there yeah. um, which is good, a good proof point for potential employers yeah. I was going to say on the back of that as well um, I always find it really cool when people do stuff for free, like they're not getting paid I think there's always this thing where you have like a hobby and it's like oh well, how much do you, make, do you make money from it and like, it has to be like graph 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 money you know Obviously, you get your job. People have their full-time jobs, and they'll have like a, like a TikTok account or like a Instagram photography page or whatever it is, or a podcast. Um, and I get this asked a lot of people: "Oh, do you have like sponsorship? How much money do you make from it?" And I'm like, nothing at the moment because I think I know as soon as it does, it's going to become more mature. Where you have to do content every month for, and there's another thing to worry about where you're not like, "Oh, they're going to pay me this much money to do a podcast," but then guests cancel, or, you know, you get ill, or whatever it is. Uh, and I think people say this about when like, when the kids and they play the piano and then when they get older and they're really good and it's like getting paid to play the piano they hate it because it becomes this thing where it's not for fun anymore it's to make money so yeah. I think it is always interesting when people do things for free or they you know they just enjoy the process less than doing it for you know that gratification of a paycheck um, that's my personal opinion I mean, I'm assuming when this podcast has made money I'm not going to be saying this but yeah. <laughs> I won't be complaining uh, but yeah I do always think there's a different it always changes the dynamic a bit um, when you add like a, a number value to it but 
Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the, the thing that employers are after is to know whether you're committed. So if yeah. there is a worry that you're trying to make this podcast into your main revenue stream for you, yeah. you want to do that within six months and you want to leave, then they might get feel a bit weird. But yeah. if you're open and say, over the next five years, I might be able to grow it to this and therefore do that. But the next, but in the, in the in the years one, two, three, and four leading up to that, then I'm going to work here and be committed yeah. and do this at the weekends. Then I think people are fine with it. You're just going yeah. to be upfront, yeah, transparent, nice, yeah. Interesting. Last question. I don't know if you notice if uh, obviously ask the guests the same one um, at the end. Uh, walking down the street uh, and like your ten year old self comes like running up to you and he's all excited and you can only tell him one thing. What would it be? About anything. Yeah, literally anything like, you know, I always said buy Bitcoin or... <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, buy Bitcoin. Um, uh, life is long. Yeah. Life is long, so don't worry too much. I think the the one thing I've realised recently, maybe this is me having a child and having a new perspective, which I said I didn't have, <laughs> is... Touch wood, mm. I'm hopefully only a third of the way through my life. Yeah. It feels like it's been a hell of a lot of things that have happened. Mm. Yeah. And I've got to do that all again twice. <laughs> That's quite a lot. Yeah. And in the current world of everything is so fast, fast, fast and needing things to happen or when you want them. I just say, yeah, life is life is long. Yeah. Don't worry too much about it. Yeah. Don't worry about trying to do things as quick as you want them or yeah, you can. You'll always have a be able to have a second go at something. Amazing. No, that's perfect advice. Now I really appreciate you coming on today, James. Appreciate your time. No worries. It's been good to chat. Yeah, indeed. See you later. Thanks. Thanks.